Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TT Podcast. This is part two with Dave Molyneux, and we left it um, still, where were we? Eighties, I think. I think we've just been discussing the eighties. Oh, we moved into the mid nineties with oh, the Ulster Grand Prix. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so we literally in that tiny little break that we've had. If you've not listened to part one, make sure you go back and listen to it. But we just started discussing then because uh, I saw you at the TT. Yeah. And we were having a chat about, um, it had just started raining, so they called off the session, this is TT 2022 for the solos, and you looked at me and you said, I'd go out in this, I'd still be out in this. And then you started discussing yeah. s- some of the old times, Yeah, not that long ago, to be fair, when, <laughs> you, were, when you were out in the rain. Mm. So, like, please tell us the story. 2003, 2003, sheet of ice. It, was, uh, oh, it yeah, looked like a sheet this, of ice. Well... Prince William was over visiting and he had a small window of time which just happened to be the sidecar race. So he was down at Braddon Bridge and Clark of the Course said, look guys, gonna got, we've got to go. You've got to go. Uh, choose whatever ties you're going to go on. You've got to go. And it was raining. So I'm number one and I think oh, that moment you were saying about the tap on the shoulder mm-hmm. moment, uh, it was one of them moments I thought, God's sake, of all the times we have to go off, and I've got to go like a scolded cat because I've got to win this race. Yeah. <laughs> and off we went. And Hold on, sorry, Dave. What tyres did you pick? Because most people think it's wet. You went with wet tyres. Sorry, slicks. of course you went with slicks. I went with a slick, Why? a full race slick. Because, <laughs> well, such a long circuit, and I thought it had forecast to dry up yeah. and get better. But anyway, so I was thinking I'll get... I'll go slow through the wet bits, I'll go fast through the dry bits. Yeah, yeah. And it was just play it like that. And that's one of the things I miss about that type of riding at the TT, because it's all or nothing now. It's just full on, hardcore from where we go. Yeah. The, the race craft of being able to ride in the wet on a maybe not so suitable tyre has been taken off us. Mm-hmm. And the decision has been taken off us. And yeah, I would race in the wet all day long because I was brought up with it and... I look at it as part of the craft of being a good TT rider. You know, you've got to deal with them different conditions. And in a, in a very similar way, Steve, you must have remembered going out at Cadwell Park and going through the mountain in the damp or even wet and then getting to the other side of the circuit in the dry. Oh, yeah. It's only like, yeah. it's like a mini TT. It has yeah. different elevations. and So, yeah, 2003, Prince William's there. I didn't give him a wave. <laughs> <laughs> Off through, first lap, wheel spinning, and uh, yeah, got to Kirk Michael, and it was like it just was a different day. The sun was out, it was dry, God. hammer went down, off like a scalded cat. Got to Ramsey, drizzle. Got to the mountain, mile, fog. Pff, off we're going, and it got worse. So I think my first lap was 100 and 108 mile an hour, something like that. Still second, fast. Second fast. lap, 105. Third lap, 102. It just went down, oh, down, down. And if you get the Duke video DVD of that year, you'll see just how dreadfully bad it was. Bikes were spinning off at Quarter Bridge and places like that. Just, uh, you know, wet weather tyre wouldn't last any more than a lap. And So your passenger that year, was he the same mentality? <laughs> Keep going? Or was well, he you know who that passenger life? was. It was Craig Hallam, probably one of the best passengers ever in the world, but a yeah. raven lunatic, a complete raven lunatic. <laughs> and that's who you need on the boat when it's raining like that. But pot kettle back. But, but <laughs> seriously, yeah, that guy was probably one of the best passengers. He, he could steer the bike with you, especially in the wet. Yeah. Craig, yeah. he was a fantastic solo rider as well, and sidecar driver. And passenger, 
So we won the race and that was that. So how's how's a sidecar handling in those conditions on a slick? Does uh, it handle? Yeah, or it handles is it good. Literally yeah. Just yeah, it does handle all good. The way and once you do get a bit of warmth in the tire, it's it's not half so bad. Mm -hmm. But um, Bob McMillan, who was in charge at Honda at that time, yep. and David Dew went to Hillbury to watch that race, and they came back afterwards, and because uh, I was riding with the Honda UK concern then, and they just said. That's the most mental thing I've ever heard. You come through there and it just wheel spun all the way out of sight, all the way up out of Hillbury. And it was very wet, but but yeah, stable. And like I say, you learn that racecraft and I look back and think you're crazy, son. But, <laughs> but, that, but yeah, that's the other thing. You are a highly skilled professional at that point. Like the guys further down the back of the pack, it wouldn't, wouldn't it be too well, dangerous for them? Or? They, there was a, about 50 of them in a group uh, at the start line, you know, just saying, Dave, can't you go and ask them? Eddie Nelson was the uh, clock, That's of course. Right, yeah. I went to Eddie. I said, can we not just delay this for half an hour? See where we go. He said, Dave, we can't. We can't. Prince William's here. with, And we, we've got to go with this. Mm -hmm. He said, tell the boys back at the start line they can not ride if they don't ride. <laughs> Nobody's got a gun to their head. Yeah. Oh, my God. So I goes back as, like, the elected riders rep. And said, "Listen, lads, this is what he said. I can't. I can only say to you, just take your time. Yeah, it, it's fine. It isn't as bad as it seems. And run a cut <laughs> slick. Go run some cut slicks. Then. Oh, it's fine. And, <laughs> and so <laughs> off we went. <laughs> but no, no accidents. Nobody got hurt in that race. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's pretty, pretty amazing. But this is what I mean. Right. When." to remember when it's wet that all these riders have been brought up on circuits where yeah. we go and ride in the wet we go and ride in the dry we ride in the damp and that's a an apprenticeship mm -hmm. and must admit at that time we had southern hundred and as I, there was a few other road races going that that we rode in the wet and yeah it you've just got to slow down and, and go with it yeah you don't go faster in the wet you go slower so. yeah i wonder i wonder if i wonder how it would be now if if they did it in the wet if they allowed a TT to go in the wet, especially with the solos, those thousands. Oh, do you think I we'd don't still think see that's the... acceptable? No. No. no, but if they did, do you think we'd still see the riders who are good still at the top? Or would you, see, you know, like Michael Rutt, for instance, put him on a short circuit and he's phenomenal in the wet. Yes. Do you think yeah. you'd see him beating Hickey in, in wet conditions around here? Probably so. I think some riders have been more reserved than others for obvious reasons, you know, but yeah. uh, the, the difficult part, of course, is bikes are that powerful now, yeah. just getting the tyre to last in, yeah. in those conditions and, and be safe with it. Yeah, it needs to be wet all the way around, doesn't it? Otherwise, yeah. like yeah. Dave said, it all... I think like the super, but you still destroy a tyre, yeah. uh, a wet tyre. Do you think? Oh, even if it was wet all the way around? If it was heavy water all the way around. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's that much power. Yeah, it's well over 200 horsepower, you yeah. see, going through tyre tracks. But like in, in the sidecar class now, we've got superb tyres and I did a British Championship round in 2019, uh, uh, 2018 at Alton Park and I was one of two riders on, on a 30 grid, 30 bikes that went out, it started to drizzle and I, I put a wet set of wets in and off we went out onto the grid, did the warm-up lap and I knew I'd made a mistake. I thought, nah, it's not going to last this, it's going to dry up and within a lap, there was, it was just a dry line all the way. And then yeah. within three laps, it was bone dry. Mm -hmm. But I just kept plugging away and riding it sensible, doo, 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 not 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 hammering the throttle and came in third. God, flipping out. The back tyre was 
still in reasonable shape. Reasonable shape. Okay. Now it's a 15 lap race around Alton Park, yeah, going yeah. out at Hammer and Tongue. We still put in like, oh, I think it was about the fourth quickest lap of the race, sure. which was only a couple of seconds off the dry yeah, tires. Yeah. And it was just looking after them and yeah. wide lines and not being aggressive with the bike. So yeah, maybe the modern tire would last on the sidecar around the TT, I'm not sure, but- That'd be interesting. It, it would just, uh, in, in times of practice particularly, it would do the sidecars a great deal of good and favours because we're just not getting enough laps in here anymore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're not. Yeah. yeah. So you're widely known in general as a <laughs> as a TT legend, right? Mm -hmm. What about short circuit? You know, what about you you've mentioned European championships and mm. going over and doing the operating <clears throat> championships like that. Um or what about world championship, you know? Well I've it goes back quite a long way. Um, I did my first ever European Championship round in 1988 when I rode with Paget. Uh, rode at Hockenheim and and British Championship and all that. And it, I think I was actually. Did it float your boat as much as obviously the TT course? Well, earlier I had this. My main ambition was that I'd love to be a world champion. You know that yeah. was the thing. Yeah. But then I won the TT in 1989, and I actually thought. I was still the youngest driver to win to date um, by six months from Jock Taylor, actually. Cool. And I thought right there and then, that moment, that's it. I'm not even bothered about being a, a top great road racer. I wanted to be world championship and try yeah. and get to the top. I was young, you know, 25, and that was the main aim. But I kind of thought, I should, sponsors should come pretty easy now and all that, because the Sidecar World Championship was a huge thing back then. It was big yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. and a really good part of the 500 Grand Prix circuit, you know. I was just going to say it was part of the, the, uh, the oh, Grand Prix series. Yeah. Then, yeah. yeah, and the solo guys back then, they they appreciated what the likes of Rolf Billund and Steve Webster and all the greats of the past were putting in to the technology side of, like Billund developed a great V4 engine with Swiss Auto. And so there was a lot going on, and I I wanted to be part of that, but I just couldn't raise the money. It was impossible. Yeah. It was properly impossible. I dipped my toe in the water a few times, and we were way out of our depth. But my first Grand Prix was off the back of a European Championship win at Schleitz in East Germany, and um, that was in 1996, and we we got a wild card ride on the literally on the podium. Wet race, won the race by a street, and the organizer, Theo Van Kempen, came up with big water money, prize money, great in them days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cash in hand. And yeah. all the trophies and the, the gear. And he said, Right, you've got a wild card ride at next weekend's Czech Grand Prix at Bruno, but you've got to give me the answer now. And I just said, Yes. And then I thought, oh, Shit, I've got to go back to the truck now where all the boys had already cracked the bottles and, and tell them. Uh, and tell them <laughs> <laughs> seven guys on tour, seven of us. I couldn't have afforded to go otherwise. No. They were all chipping in for diesel and tires and the oh, things you God. do, tolls on the motorway and all that sort of thing. And I walked in there soaking wet with the laurels and stuff and they were there, cracked the beer bottles. And I said, boys, we've got a wild card ride at next weekend's Czech Grand Prix at Bruno. So if you want to go home, you're gonna have to hitch a ride with <laughs> some of the other lads. And they just all roared and cheered and said, no, we're off to Czechoslovakia, aren't yeah. we? Well, I'll tell you what, this was terrible, terrible. 
<laughs> but we went on convoy with two other teams. I won't name them. <laughs> Off through Czechoslovakia, having a great time like you do. And me there with a big wad of money burning a hole in my pocket. Yeah, we'll get beers here and, and fun here. And we got to Prague, spent two nights there. And then on Thursday, we had headed off to Bruno Circuit. So we get to there and just had time of our lives. But on the way, I, th I think it was the Thursday. No, the Wednesday, it was a Wednesday. I, we're in the truck driving along and all seven of us laughing and joking about whatever had gone on. And I said to the boys, has anybody rang home? We're supposed to be back in the Isle of Man tonight off the ferry. And we're in Czechoslovakia. Well, no, haven't rang home. There was no mobile phones. We had no mobile phones. We're all married. <laughs> so oh, we better stop at call box. So we get the change out, gathered up. Right, you can have this much. <laughs> glink, glink. And, oh, hi. Yeah. Um, oh, you're at the, are you at Haitian Port? <laughs> no, I'm in Czechoslovakia. What are you doing in Czechoslovakia? Uh, I'm going to race at the Czech Grand Prix because we won at Germany and got a wild card in there. Oh, my money's ran out. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Hung up. Well, can you imagine when I got home? Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> so off we went to the Grand Prix and I'm like stars in their eyes. Proper job with Billund and yeah, yeah. Goodle and Claffy and Webster and all Dixon. Fantastic. And I finished sixth. God, First Grand Prix and we finished yeah, sixth. Yeah. Again, pouring with rain, but I found myself Dyson with Paul and Charlie Goodle, who were huge. They they were actually the only ones at that point in the year that could have challenged Dixon for the world title. Yeah, there was a couple of points in it, but he made a wrong tire choice. I was on full wets. Uh, most of them were on inters yeah. or a mix, and I think Dixon came in fourth or something like that. Abbott was fifth, and I was sixth, and I. I actually was too scared to pass Goodle at the start of the race. I was sat behind him in ninth place. And I was like, come on, gee up, boy. <laughs> and anyway, I had to go past him. I went past him and off I went. I reckon we'd have got a podium if I hadn't wasted Wait three down. laps. Yeah. Being a gentleman God. because of the situation with his... But anyway, that was yeah. that. He lost the world championship and <laughs> Dixon won. <laughs> so, that would, so from there, how do we go back to the TT then? Well, did you not get enough rides in the in the Grand Prix? Well, at the end of expensive? 1996, uh, GPs cut the sidecars out. Yeah. And yeah. then they were in no man's land for, for a couple of years until World Superbike took them on full time mm -hmm. in 2000. Super with the, slide, was it? Was it super slide, yeah. With the introduction of 1,200cc oh, yeah. four-stroke engines. So, yeah, I had a go at it then. Honda supported me with Blackbird engines, but... They were just a bit soft. They didn't like being tuned and, you know, had some good results, top six several times at big circuits like, you know, Hockenheim. Yeah, and yeah. Places like Hockenheim, that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was, I was competitive. I could front row qualify every now and again and led a couple of races, but just couldn't string it together really financially. And I, I did have another go in 2007, but off the back of a huge accident at the TT the previous Rank year. Calling, yeah. And I wasn't, <clears throat> I wasn't fit for two years really to be competitive. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that was it. I gave, gave up on the, the world championship thing then and any dreams of success in that because I felt my age was getting on top of me at about that time, 2007. And, and the, the injury I had to my shoulder was 
a bit of a rut. It, yeah. I had to have operation on it, all sorts of things, and I was just never fit enough to ride that style of bike. This is from your 2006 TT crash. Yeah. Pulling, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what was the injury? I, like, I dislocated the the shoulder, but broke it in three places, the joint, and although the the dislocation was put back in. I had to be put under to get it in because it was that tightened up and yeah, yeah. it's four hours <laughs> after it sat. I've heard it sat. how tight you are. Oh, tight, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. And uh, so, yeah, uh, after a few weeks of physio on that, it was just not playing ball, obviously, and uh, I was being a bit anxious with it, trying to get in there. Rushing it. And yeah. Isla Scott from Scott Physio, she said, you're going to have to go and see a specialist on this definitely so I went to Manchester to the sports injury clinic he didn't really want to do it but cut long story short I talked him into it and gave him a TT DVD and said it's important I've got to make TT next year watch it anyway I got a phone call from his secretary saying uh, right we can get you in on Saturday so that was a week after the consultation got the job done still off work eight months later couldn't cool. couldn't even hold a welding torch it was that shaky and that but but I managed to get a bike together, built it, and um, won both races at sure. TT. So, but completely different riding style and different mm -hmm. racecraft. So to world championships. So yeah, I was I was still reasonably competitive at TT. I possibly shouldn't have won both from races because Nick Crow was going extremely strong then, but his bike failed and yeah, yeah. let him down, and I picked up pieces and won. But. Um, yeah, you've got to be in it to win it. Got to be in it to win it. That's what he said. Yeah. So yeah. Right. Let's fast forward to yeah. um, to the, because the one thing with with sidecars is it's all off your own bike, right? It, there's when it comes to the manufacturers, there's no support. It's you're doing it all on your own, right? Mm. Yeah. It used used to be good. Yeah. Honda were brilliant, mm -hmm. absolutely fantastic as a sponsor and and likes of Bob McMillan at the helm. Yeah. He would say. You're on a level playing field here, Dave. Don't think Joey Dunlop will get any better, yeah, yeah, yeah. better treatment than you. If you need it, ask for it. Don't sit in a box. You say, ask for it and you'll get it. And they were great, great days. But yeah, yeah in, in, in the more, in the, these times now, that's a little bit rare. Yeah. 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 But you, so, like, you, like I said in the intro as well, 16 of your 17 wins have come on your own chassis. You're yeah. building your own things. You're putting, you know, you're taking someone's engine and you're putting it in your own, in your own thing. Now, this year's TT, you you brought an animal. You brought a, <laughs> would you? I don't know if you class it as a, a mongrel or a pedigree or what, but just something weird. <laughs> it, it, it was certainly weird, and it but it sounded bloody fantastic. So, yeah. for people that weren't at the TT or might not have heard the story about it, mm. explain to us exactly what what you did with the new rule changes mm. for this year and what you yeah. brought along. Right. Well, I used a an 890 KTM Duke engine, which is a parallel twin, ideal configuration for a sidecar. Mm -hmm. um, the sump system is exceptional. Uh, it's it, it, it's what's called a dry sump system, but it's self-contained in the engine, so you haven't got external oil tanks or things like that. It was just fabulous, straight out of the road bike, straight in the sidecar, no, no major modifications and no tuning, but that, I just felt like b before, I don't know when I'll quit, but before I do, I just thought, let's try and put something in that can help class survive because it is struggling. It's a struggle now. Mm -hmm. uh, the things are expensive. Because of the financial 
The financial the side of things, of yeah. Racing, yeah. And, and yeah. I'm not seeing many young fellows. It's great that young crow lads are going to great and and Pete fans, uh, you know, there's, there's some great new talent, but mm -hmm. not enough of it in my view. I'd, and I think there's plenty of people still wanting to do it, but just can't find a way in. Yeah. Uh, a set of tires is thousand pound a time now. Wow. It's what? Every, we've, we're all, everything's gone up at the yeah. shops, everything's yeah. gone up at the fuel station, everything's yeah. gone up for all of us. But to ride a bike is no different, race a bike at the TT, the cost is soared. Mm -hmm. And in the solo class too, obviously, but I just felt like, you know, I've, I've had, we just spoke about great success and, and I thought I'd rather sit back for a bit and, and just, try and put something out there and and I'd, I got a bit of a beaten up for it in the, a few years ago when I first mentioned it and and then called crazy for, for even thinking about the idea but I thought somebody's got to do something yes yeah. or it's going to drop were, were yeah. you behind the rule change yeah was it your idea in well, it? Of, yeah. of course yeah, yeah Steve yeah. I mean I I pushed hard for it and I think I must have sold it off pretty good because it wasn't for any personal gain, I'm absolutely not. I just want to see the class, you know, evolve as well. Yeah. You know, classes throughout the decades, you know, have always changed. They've gone from that's right, yeah, everything to twin cylinder to four cylinder to three cylinder to all the sixties, seventies eras, and this it shouldn't be any difference here. We've we've been gifted that six hundred cc engine for the last thirty years, mm -hmm. and it's served as well. But it's become more and more difficult, and I, I really want to see Virtuals or the Crows or or Pete Founds or anybody, somebody achieve that first 120 mile an hour lap. But I feel that's a different side of the sport. You know, yeah. if you've got 100 grand in back and coming in to be to support that, fantastic yeah. and deservedly so if you can achieve them goals. But we need something as a base to get to make it cheaper these for... guys for the future yeah to keep it keep it going and i've never had so much fun riding a bike it's it's ideal it's perfect and if i can put it around 114 mile an hour almost i'm sure i could have got it around a bit quicker if i'd have pulled my finger out yeah but it wouldn't have made any difference <laughs> to the results steve so yeah, i was tt right, riding yeah. yep. i was riding to what my boards were telling me i had a safe cushion back to fourth in both races uh, back to fifth, I mean. And so I felt like I achieved something really well this year by getting it to finish because the odds were on and people were betting against it that it wouldn't even last. Yeah, yeah. But it did. And it, it must be really difficult as well, you know, developing anything yeah. because it's so hard to find anywhere to test. Like yeah, a TT course. exactly. I mean, I, I rode that bike for 14 months from the first time of, of putting the engine in, 14 months of riding with not one single mechanical failure other than an electrical, couple of electrical faults which led on to like a bit of detonation, yep. starved, uh, an injector failed and starved the, piston, uh, the fuel and caused detonation. And, and that was the only real mechanical faults which were self-created. I, I caused that, it wasn't yeah. the fault of the, of the actual mechanics of the engine. But I got to the TT and had my first, mm, it started overheating. I get to Ramsey, mm -hmm. it would overheat. So quick fix, fit an oil cooler. I hadn't needed that oil cooler through all of that 14 months of riding. Yeah, yeah. Great reliability. Yeah. But get here, got as far as Ramsey and it was cooking. Yeah. So, but I fi fitted that, fixed. 
fixed, instant. And it was just pleasure to ride after that. And actually a lot of fun. And even when, when Pete Fans caught me at, at Cronky Body, he'd said, I didn't just fly past you, Dave. He said, it was quite a struggle to hang on to it. It shoots out of the corners. Yeah, yeah. And it was good fun talking like that. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't anything embarrassing. It was, it was actually yeah. a damn good thing, you know. If there was a chance of, like, like we said earlier, you've got to be in it to win it. Mm. But with the Birchals being the Birchals and doing what they're doing and being so dominant, mm. if they weren't there, or they were clearly beatable, do you think you would have not done that this year and looked to, for more wins? No, you no. Have still gone down this route. I'd have still gone down this route. Yeah. Um, I'd, another win is not going to change my life. No. It's not going to make any difference. I never really have any take much notice of statistics or anything like that. It's, it, although I'm a big fan of the TT and I like, yeah, John McGuinness's statistics and everybody yeah. else's and Joey's, and it's great. But I don't look, personally, I'm not looking at it like that. I just, I get more pleasure from, like, I felt like I achieved something there. If I come in and won on my 600 and the same old thing that I've done before, I don't want to sound horribly or, or ungrateful for the sport, but it, I, when you have won quite a lot, it's it gets samey and yeah. other people get a bit bored of it. I went through a stage there of being booed at the stage and stuff mm -hmm. like that. In, in the early 2000s, people got really hacked off that we were still winning. Yeah. And, but it wasn't easy. <laughs> it was really yeah. hard. But I don't think that's Dave Molyneux. That's... That, that's Domination. It is. It's yeah, Johnny yeah, Ray. Yeah. Oh, it's, know, yeah. And, and so on, yeah. you know, multiple it, world champion and so on. But but after a while, you get a bit yeah, kind of, yeah. why do you even bother? And, mm -hmm. But I bother because I like riding and that's all. And um, yeah, it's it's been good. It's been... Going back to... Chris asked you a question in part one about... Um, trying to wind you up and find out a bit of dirt and uh, it was the worst passenger. <laughs> we didn't get enough. Passenger-wise, is there anybody you wished you could have had next to you that you haven't? No, no. I, I can honestly say no. Honestly. Um, I've, like I said, I've been, been really lucky. I had a couple of little blips where passengers said to me at the start of practice week, even after only a couple of laps, they've gone, I'm struggling here, I don't know if I can do this. And... and I didn't sort of go, right, get off and get somebody else on, because it's not that easy. Mm -hmm. But you could in the old days, you could do that. But but like, um, let's see. Yeah, I, I had one instance where passenger just said, mate, I can't do this. And I'd pressured myself up on this. I was going to win. That was that at any cost. And... I had to throw a different tactic in. It was it was really strange, but I was going off at number one, and my biggest rival at the time was Rob Fish. He was going off at number two, and we were as quick as each other. There was nothing in it, yeah. and I just rode like it. I was going to the shop till he passed me, and that was on the uh, on the way to Ballacrane. Yeah. So I, I literally let him pass, but it was raining. It was damp patches. There was leaves everywhere. And I just thought, right, let him pass. Just let him go. Let him have his 10 seconds on me. 
I was confident I could take that back, really confident. So I just sat on his tyre. I just sat there and sat there. I don't think he expected that, but his engine blew up at, at Sulby. Just a shower of crap come out the back of it, smoke and debris, off the track. I knew I'd win that race then. I, 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 I thought kind of, yeah, he, I feel I put the pressure on him a bit by, he must have thought, Christ, this is easy. I've just passed him, caught him in no time. Yeah. But I sat right on his tyre and pushed and pushed. I might have freaked passenger out for a little bit, <laughs> but it was wet. It was controllable. It was slower. Mm -hmm. And uh, so then I managed to go off, win the race at Canter. And the lad who was struggling at the start of practice week seen himself a win. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So and that was the idea beaten. to slow up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had as, no other option. If I'd have gone off like a scolded cat, He'd have tapped me and the race would have been over. Yeah, yeah. I had to give him the time and the conditions helped. Just the conditions. God, wow. It was uh, it's probably about two mile an hour a lap slower. That's, than, Ste that's Stefan Everts motocross. You know, win a race the slowest way possible. Yeah, but so, well, yeah. which I hated because at yeah. that time I was all or nothing. It had to be faster and faster and faster. And uh, when I crashed at, at Ren Cullen that time, I... I checked myself out of hospital. I shouldn't have done, but mm. I did. It was getting depressing in there. All this howling and wailing going on in the, in Ward <laughs> Seven. So I, I checked myself out, hobbled down the street, so I've gone for a pint. And next thing, Bob McMillan gives a shout. He said, "Are you here out?" And I said, "Yeah, come and have some food with us. We're at Chinese down in Douglas somewhere." So I went to Chinese. Well, Jim Moody was there. He said, "I want to ask you something," and he was dead aggressive, sort of thing. I said, "What's that?" And he said, why do you have to go so fast all the time? Why can't you just slow up? You'd, you'd have won both races this year easy. I said, oh, I know, but I just kind of got a bit obsessed with going faster and faster yeah, yeah. and faster. Yeah. It was like I was racing myself. It was yeah. crackers. And that was a few years of that. But, yeah, wow. bit me. <laughs> it bit me. <laughs> We're going to get some quick-fire questions. Right, before we do... Last last question. Let's talk about briefly the the, the future of of sidecars at the TT. Obviously, the new regs allow a new bike, mm. but I, I, after what we saw at this year's TT, do we think there's any risk of it disappearing? The sidecar class. How do you feel? <sighs> Ideally, hope not. Yeah, because there's reasons for everything. Mm -hmm. There's always reasons for everything, and you know I. I don't think there was any fault with the circuit in any way or anything like that. I don't think anything like that can be to blame. But yeah, clearly I think things do have to be smartened up a bit. And uh, but I will tell you this: it's history repeating itself. We've we've been here before. Yeah, this has happened before, and things seem to get fixed and then dwindle down again and fixed and dwindle down again. But this has been happening forever this type of thing and yeah I've got my views on it and but and I'll cut it off there but all I will say is that of course the sidecars have got a future here we're all um, wanting to ride here mm -hmm. I'd like to see more riders here that was the biggest disappointment for me this year was the fact that I stood in that holding area with only 39 bikes going out on the grid and I remember like 1985 when I started I was number 93 last yeah, bike away yeah, and yeah. it was pretty <clears throat> sickening to see that I've been in holding areas at Alton Park or Cadwell Park with more bikes going out yeah. and uh, that's what I mean by the cost control 
if, and I'm all for what I call Formula Extreme now because it has gone extreme. It's the dearest form of sidecar racing in the world mm -hmm. and it needs a subclass bolted onto it to help it survive. And that's all I've tried what to do. What about just on that? Yeah, and quickly. Yeah. A one make. One make? One chassis. Standard, a standard four-cylinder engine. Can't do anything to it. Only, you know, a controlled ECU. If it could be done, it'd be absolutely fantastic. Mm. Whether it was a twin, whether it was a four-cylinder or a three-cylinder Triumph, anything. As long as it's reliable. Yeah. And it's- To a bring good, the numbers and to build it and, and to give people absolutely. a taste, especially to get the youngsters through. Yeah. The, there's surely a way to do that, but it needs backing. Yeah. It, need, it needs investment, you know, to be able to carry out such a, a task. And then it needs the backing of the riders. And I'm not so sure that that would altogether happen. Um, it, it's definitely something that's been talked about and yeah. mentioned. And uh, Has it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And down, down to the riders might not be interested because they enjoy the, the engineering part. They enjoy taking Just like it, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to take it to yeah. the next level. With, and, with how they're building things. And, and this is it. And, uh, you know, I've never been, prof never professed to be the best rider out there. Never. But I've quite often built the best bike or the bike that suits me best, yeah. which has enabled me to win. And I think that's a, a craft that needs holding on to, mm -hmm. you know. Um, you'll have it in the solos. Why should Paget's Honda be better than yeah. the Works Honda? Why should... Yeah. Hickman's BMW be better than the BMW and the next door team. Yeah, they yeah. make it better, don't they? And it's that's not right. always the rider that makes it better. It, yeah. And I, I think that's a craft that should be held on to rather than a one-make series. Although, just for the sake of the sport, if that's the way it went, I would support it. Yeah. Just to keep keep it alive, keep it going. But um, it's the whole world's suffering with with increases in cost yeah Christ, i was just on holiday before <laughs> last week and you know the cost of eating out now yeah because everything's gone everything has down. to go up doesn't it yeah and uh well we'll definitely see him we'll definitely see him next year and we'll definitely see you here next year hopefully right we need part part four and part five and part <laughs> six to this because uh, <laughs> exactly. i don't again like i said in the intro i don't his stats didn't scratch the surface and i, be, I barely think this hour and a bit of China's scratched the surface, so hopefully we'll get you on again, Dave. Yeah, no problem. But it's been an absolute pleasure. But before we go, as ever, sorry, Steve. Steve, Platers, quick fire questions. <laughs> right, Dave. One one answer or the other. No explanations. Okay. Lager or real ale? Lager. No messing. Flipping it. Football or rugby? Football. That surprises me. Time trial or mass start? Are you allowed to say both? No. Nope. <laughs> one of the. Okay. Time trial. Pineapple or never pineapple on a pizza? Pineapple. Good lad. Two stroke or four stroke? Two stroke. Dan Sale or Patrick Farrant? You rotten <laughs> asshole. <laughs> one, or, one, hey, one or the other day. <laughs> no, I can't do it. <laughs> right, I'll let you off with that. Two, three or four wheels? Three. Ginger Hall to Ramsey or Bungalow to Cronk Nimona? Ginger Holds Ramsey. Klaus Klaffenbach or Tim Reeves? Klaus Klaffenbach. 18th TT win or a world championship? World championship. Thank you very much. <laughs> Dave, as I said before, it's been an absolute pleasure and hopefully we'll get you on again for uh, another one. Thanks a lot. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Hang on, mate. Thank you. Thanks, sir.
There we have it, Steve. Dave Molyneux. What, I mean, I could have just, like I said at the start, I could have sat back and just listened to his stories and he could have gone on and on and on. We, I think I said it a few times, we didn't barely scratch the surface with him, really, did we? No, you know, I've known Molly for quite a few years now, but I didn't realise he was... He was so into the history as well, especially mm. on the sidecar side. You know, you could, he's one of those fellas you just want to go and sit in the pub with all night over a pint, you know, and just chit and chat about the old times and and the future as well. Yeah, and imagine how many stories he's got that he can't tell as well. Flipping it, not half. <laughs> <laughs> This has been the Dave Molyneux episode of the TT Podcast. If you've enjoyed it, then please, you must have listened to loads of these by now, please hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcasts and also leave us a review and a rating. Steve, do you want to hear this, uh, this latest review from the, uh, the podcast? Far away. Five stars, standard. Love the podcast. Now on my list of favourites. Thank you. Chris has got his work cut out with Steve being the hardest working man in motorcycle sport. Correct. <laughs> Not a t- it's written by Steve. Brilliant. Unbelievable. Now we have plenty more star-studded names from the world of the TT on the way for you in this series. And here's a little taste of what you can expect from our next guest, Gary Thompson. There's something about the TT. Being upstairs in race control, when it's going well or when it's going to plan, and everything's in place and everything's happening and the sun's shining and the crowds are out there. There is no finer place to be or a finer event to be in charge of, to be honest. That episode will be out next week and don't forget that you can get all the latest TT news and features over at iomttracers.com and be sure to check us out on all the usual socials. We are at TT Racers Official. Thanks for listening. Cheers, Steve. Cheers, mate.